snow, sunshine, snow, sunshine, snow, sunshine, sunshine, say that ten times fast, oh my, snow, sunshine, it was a good day, right, it's always, say what, it's always, it's always a good day to praise the Lord for his wonders, you know, declare his majesties, and all of creation tells of his glory. Well, thank you all for, for being here today. It's Everyone seems so quiet during Sunday school. You know? I was like, oh, is there anyone awake? And Anna said no. <laughs> I'm the only hyper one here today. All right? No. It's okay. It's all in love. It's good. <laughs> uh, did you have a good weekend? Yeah, good. Yeah, it's a good. You know, it's a, it's always a, such a blessing to to start a new week like this, right? You know, Sunday, coming together, to gather together as the local body. You know, and and even what we're going through in Sunday school, uh, to know wh what we believe and and why we believe it. You know, we'll be starting on who is God next week, so it's a prime time to jump on in. We have a few books left as well. And just uh, even if you don't want to join us, there's a few books left that you can you can take and read and just be encouraged and equipped uh, to go forward. <clears throat> you know, we get to we get to do that. We get to fellowship uh, to know of each other's lives uh, to this point. Not that we can go tell somebody, but we can go talk to God about it. We can bear one another's burdens. Right. You know, that's an amazing thing of, of the body. To, to go forward together in a life together. You know, the, the church isn't just some organization or some kind of charity or some social program. No, it's actually uh, the gathering of the saints. That's, that's what the church is. That the preaching of the word of God may happen, as we talked about in Sunday school, uh, like Ezra did when they rededicated the temple. Uh, they, the priests went out and exposited the scripture, and all of Israel came to knowledge and understanding of, of who the Lord God was, and that's, that's why we're here, that that might take place. And then we give, uh, we practice the ordinances, right? Uh, be that the Lord's Supper, as we practiced on last Sunday, or, or baptism when a new believer comes and identifies uh, with the Lord. You know, all of... All of this is for the bodies, right? The saints' encouragement and equipping that we would be edified and go forward to know what we are called to be as new creations, right? That seems to be very evident that we need to talk about that. Even as I was, you know, looking at my sermon, I'm like, yeah, that's that's kind of what we're going through. It's amazing. I got really excited about this sermon because not only did we celebrate what happened over Easter and everything with the cross and the resurrection. But now we get to go back to Colossians and actually see what's actually taking place when Jesus was crucified. What, it, what happened? Because Paul is going to tell us in what scripture we're in to today. Now today we see that in Christ God has made us alive and that our record of debt is nailed to the cross. And also, as we continue in Colossians chapter 2, we need to first recall uh, what Paul has been talking about. Uh, he's now actually explaining why he wrote the letter. And it's stated in Colossians 2.4 that no one may delude them with plausible arguments. Right? And what's a plausible argument? An argument that's plausible is, well, it seems right. Right? You know, that's, that's something in the Bible, right? It, one may seem right until another speaks, right? And it's like, no, they're, you know, oh, yeah, it seems right, but it's, it's a way, you know, there's a way that seems right in one's eyes but leads to death, right? We need to be very aware that there's plausible argumentations. And then he goes on to say that the church would be rooted and built up in Jesus Christ in Colossians 2.6. That there is nothing or no one else that's needed, right? Paul is making sure that no one takes them captive by philosophies and empty deceit according to human tradition and according to the elements, elemental spirits 
of the world, which is in Colossians 2.8. Paul wants them to live according to Christ. That's it, right? And we can think of it like this. Say someone pays for you to go out to the best restaurant that you can think of, and maybe the steakhouse you, you dream of, or, well, if Eric was here, maybe the veggie house that you dream of, or, or something, right? You know, that someone pays you to go to the best restaurant that you can think of. And you can order from that menu, because that's all that's there, right? That's all that they offer. You can have as much food and drink as you want from that menu. But instead, you get up and you go out to the back alley and you eat out of the trash can. How weird would that be, right? How weird would that, would that be? But, you know, why, why would you do that, right? You're kind of like, well, no, that's really good food. No, this is better, right? This is, this is better. Well, no one would do that unless they believe or are led to believe that there are, there are blessings or nuggets of spiritual truth in those trash cans, or there's life, everlasting life in those trash cans, right? But we see the truth is that the living water is from one source of grace, and his name is Jesus, Right? And his, and his restaurant is Christianity, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we start and stay with him. Now let's uh, open up in a word of prayer before we go to the scripture. Father God, we, we thank you for today. We thank you so much for your amazing grace found in Christ alone. That all we sinners have to do is rest upon the finished work of Christ and believe upon the name of Jesus and we are saved by your grace through faith alone. Thank you, Lord, so much for the time in Sunday school and the time afterward just to, just to fellowship and to, to be encouraged and equipped to, to know your word and Lord, just thank you for a time that we can, we can sing to you and that we can praise you and that even as we're driving and, and looking at the creation and enjoying the snow or not or enjoying the sunshine and just praise you. For you are a God of wonders beyond our galaxy, beyond all the wonders we see and that you are wondrous and you are holy and good and you love us and came for us. And help us be mindful, just as the song said, that as the snow melts, so the world will as well. And that we would treasure you, Lord. That we wouldn't treasure things here, but that we would treasure Jesus. And that we would enjoy the, the rich blessings within the faith within the doctrines and within the, the person of who Christ is and, and who we are in him. And Lord, just be with us in this time of study. Help us just put aside all, all distractions, all, all wanderings or hurts of life and, and help us just fix upon you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, please uh, turn with me in your Bibles uh, to Colossians chapter 2. I, I got to get there. <laughs> Colossians chapter 2 will be in uh, verses 11 and 12. <coughs> and Paul writes this. In him... Also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Right, we had just talked about how Jesus, and this, you know, before Easter, so about three, three weeks ago, uh, we had talked about Jesus is 
deity in bodily form, full, de fully deity. He is the head and rule of all authority. And that's Colossians 10.2. John states it like this in his letter, in his first letter. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which, is, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we also proclaim, sorry, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Right? John's like really summarizing there almost all four of the Gospels. Well, yeah, it is a, not, not just an almost, it is a summary of what the Gospels are doing. They're showing that the life made manifest, that the Messiah has come, that, that Christ is the life made manifest. And that is, that is why, you know, as, as Paul's dealing with false teachers here in Colossae, is that that is why teachers and preachers that point only to themselves are pointing to the wrong person. They point to this or that to draw away the saints from Jesus himself, right? For their gain. False teachers point to themselves, but faithful witnesses, faithful teachers and preachers point to Jesus. Because in him, the church, the saints, are new creations. Right? It's all about who the head is. We are new because in Jesus we have been circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Now there's not a letter with, without Paul dealing with circumcision in one point or another because it's, it's huge, especially in the Jewish life. You know, now it's not really a thing that we talk about in churches, but it really is a sign given to Abraham. Uh, go ahead and turn your Bibles with me to, to Genesis chapter 17. the church has really big theological debates like they did in Acts 15 about circumcision anymore. But, you know, Paul was really about it because there were Judaizers. There were people talking about it where it's like, no, you, you have to do certain things of the Old Testament to become a believer. But we'll, we'll see that as we go through this. But uh, Genesis 17, uh, verses 9 through 11. And God said to Abraham... As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. So it's a sign, right? It's a sign of the covenant between Abraham and the Lord God, that the Jewish people would be circumcised. Now see, the, the church early on in Acts, Acts 15 uh, deals with this issue, deals with the issue of whether or not Gentiles need to follow the law of Moses to be saved. Uh, the first church council uh, recorded in the book of Acts actually sent out a letter and issued this statement. It's in Acts 15, uh, verses 28 and 29, and it states this, For it see, has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols, from the blood, from blood, and from what has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep, for, if you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. 
farewell, right? And then everyone rejoices. Everyone, yeah, you know, we're, we're good, right? You know? you know, the proof had actually been there. It had, it had been there before. And this, this journey actually goes from Acts 10 all the way to 15 and continues with, you know, Judaizers and different people that we see in the book of Acts. But the proof is actually found when Peter proclaims the gospel to the Gentiles in Cornelius' household. And as he's speaking, uh, this happens. Peter's actually, he's preaching away. He's telling, you know, Cornelius and his household what's going on. And while Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among them, among the circumcised, who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, right? And in their mind, that was like, what? Like, what is going on here? But if you go back and read the Old Testament, it was going to happen. It was going to happen. The church says this, the church recognized. They recognized what the Lord was doing, that the Holy Spirit came upon those that believed, believed upon the Lord Jesus. There was no more than that. For now a, a circumcision had come that was made without hands and is a sign of the new covenant that is found here in Christ Jesus. Even the words that we spoke, uh, that we heard during communion last week are recorded in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus states this, and well, the Gospel of Luke records this. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Right? So Jesus is the sign. Right? That's the question, right? Do you have Jesus? Right, the old t-shirt got Jesus. I think those were bumper stickers at one time too. No. Because Jesus fulfills the law. And he brings about the point of what God tells Abraham in Genesis 12. That through Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. All of them will be blessed. The physical sign is put away because it was pointing to something for it points to a covenant that makes stone hearts into flesh how cool is that thank you god <laughs> yeah. dropping truth bombs everywhere today um, <laughs> but paul says it in romans a jew is one inwardly and circumcision is a matter of the heart Right? Even right? Even John the Baptist says that, what are you why are you coming? And they're like, Well, we're children of Abraham. And John the Baptist says, God can make children of Abraham out of these stones. Because they weren't proving it inwardly, right? Outwardly they were fine and dandy, but Jesus calls them a den of the vipers and whitewashed tombs, right? Because they looked nice, but their hearts were crooked. Paul says the circumcision is a matter of heart by the spirit, not the letter. He is praise, his praise is not from man, but from God. See, if you go back to Genesis, Genesis 15, 6, what had happened? I was going to say, if any crossroad kids are here, what did the Lord do when Abraham believed? Eliza, do you remember? No? And he credited it to him as righteousness. Two chapters before the sign of the covenant comes. It was something that had already happened. Faith. He had faith in God. And now, now we place our faith in Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit seals us. And we remember with the ordinances, right? We do it proclaiming the Lord's death and the Lord's supper. And then we identify with him in baptism. Because for those that are in Christ, we're dead to sin, right? We're put in. We go into the water and then we are alive in Christ and we're taken up out of the water. Which is a really good point to say that full immersion 
is the way to go because the whole of your body is saved. The whole person, right, is redeemed by the Lord and identifies with the Lord because that's our point is to love the Lord God with our whole strength, soul, mind, and love our neighbors like ourselves. Now, with this circumcision, we put off the body of flesh because in Christ we are, we are sealed, right? We have the guarantee of our inheritance in the Holy Spirit. And we, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but in Christ that is put off. The flesh does not need to be served anymore. And now we can serve Christ. Because we have been buried with him in baptism. Woo. That has happened. So this can happen. As Paul states in Romans. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead. By the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life, right? We're not, we're not stagnant in our, in our newness, but we are to walk in newness of life. Now by our very nature, our flesh, we are, we are sinful, so that must be put to death. And in Christ, we are, we are raised to newness of life, that we would not walk in the flesh but that we would be instruments of righteousness and a workmanship of Christ, walking in the good works that he has laid out before us. Now we who have placed our faith in Christ are also redeemed, or sorry, not, are also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. That's a pretty cool statement. You know, just after a Sunday after celebrating the resurrection. That God raised Jesus. If we hope in Jesus, we know and see that God raised him up. And the very same God will raise up us. God is the God who looses the pangs of death. And he will raise up those that trust in his son. And the Lord is the sovereign one. He is the mighty one. And by the resurrection of Christ, we understand that God is stronger than even death. And with his immeasurable grace and his immeasurable power, he will work this mighty deed in those that believe as well. And we're not going to be some little spirit floating up there playing a harp, right? We'll actually have our resurrected bodies. How cool is that? Now, Job says it well, right? I, even if I decay and die in this body, I know my eyes will see him. And some people are like, oh, resurrection never was a thing. I'm like, Job's the oldest book in the Bible. And apparently it was a thing. <laughs> because it is. Sin and death, struggles and sufferings are here. But as we hope in Christ, we wait for his coming. Now please turn in your Bibles with me to Romans, Romans chapter 8. Verses uh, 35 through 39. And Paul states this Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to 
be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And we in Christ await to see Jesus so we can be like him for we see him as he is. And for that day, the day that we see him, the perishable will put on the imperishable. And we don't need anything else more than that. We don't need spiritual nuggets of wisdom or courses of enlightenment. We need Jesus and we need his word. We need each other for the saints and the gifts, their, their services. All together, as a body, we are encouraged and equipped for the work of the ministry to go forward. You know, we need the scripture, for in it we discern the difference between spirit of truth and spirit of error in our age. Paul continues, uh, if you want to turn back in your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 2. <clears throat> and we'll be in verses uh, 13 and 14. And Paul states this, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcised uncircumcision of your flesh God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands this he set aside nailing it to the cross I think this was like one of my favorite verses when I was a new believer uh, the new life Bible application, something, I can't remember. It's in the study. <laughs> had an illustration of a door. And this door had all these holes in it. And in that, Christ fills it. And you are a new creation. You're no longer stained with all of the sin and everything, but he makes you new. And I've, I've always remembered that illustration. And Paul is talking to the saints here those that have believed upon the Lord Jesus and, and they, you know, we who believe, are, were dead. We were unable and unwilling to deal with that that had overcome us, that being sin and death. Only Jesus can overcome sin and death and has. So in our trespasses, in our uncircumcision of the flesh, we were dead. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have failed to measure up to God's standards. And even if we, we think we're good enough, right? You ever, you ever meet one of those people? Well, I don't need God. I'm, I'm good, right? Like, oh, take me about five minutes. I'll get there. <laughs> and, you know, we all need the grace of God. The Bible informs us. Isaiah informs us of this, that... All our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. Like, oh man. <laughs> and then it states this. For all fade like a leaf and our iniquities, like the good old eastern Colorado wind, take us away. Humanity apart from God is spiritually dead and cannot do anything in order obtain grace and heaven and dwelling with God because even our good works helping grandma hauling in groceries listening to your mom brushing behind these ears for some reason they keep on telling me to do that you know <laughs> are all polluted for by nature right by nature we are sinners 
and therefore we are we are not holy because that's that's the measure right is is holiness not not being good but being holy so we can do this we can repent and believe in Jesus we hear the gospel message do we say yes do we believe upon him? Do we rest upon the finished work of Christ on the cross? Because there, when we believe upon him, when we rest upon him, God makes us alive. Those in Christ are, are given eternal life by the free gift of God. And even, even right there, right? A, a gift can be received or denied. Your, your grandma bought it, wrapped it, set it by the tree, and you can say, no thanks. Or you can take it and receive it. Now please turn in your Bibles with me to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. Now verses 4 through, through 7, Paul states this. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable, immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. This is the good news. That God being rich in mercy sent forth his son. So that whoever believes in him is saved by grace. Raised and seated. Right? It's a, it's a set thing. For eternal life is through Christ and as we rest in him and rest upon what Jesus has done we know that we are his and we are made alive in Christ now therefore we we don't or we shouldn't right you know we're in we're we're told not to look forward to worldly things not not to look at this world and say oh this is this is great and grand I mean we can enjoy life a Christian should have joy here and enjoy what God has created but we look forward to the age to come where the grace of God will be seen forever because we are actually personally with him throughout the ages. You know, this, this all happens because in Christ Jesus, God does this. He forgives us all our trespasses. For Jesus paid it all, right? Past, present, and future sin. Now, that's kind of hard to comprehend that one event could do that. But it's true. Eternal God, the Son, stepped into creation, took on flesh, and was nailed to a tree to deal with all of the world's sins. He bore the weight of the whole world and brought forward salvation to humanity. God can alone forgive sin through Jesus because only the Son will sinners be pardoned by. Because he's the only one that became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Paul states it like, like this, right? You know, we read the first part, in Christ, we are all new creations, but you read the last part in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, and it states, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Right? Now Jesus, dealing with a demon in Mark, speaks a word. He's out of the man. Leper comes to Jesus, make me clean, if you will. I will it. He's clean. He touches him. Sick woman, Peter's mother-in-law, touches her. She's well, gets up and serves. 
is, is Jesus made unclean in any of those events? No, right? Even, even there, you know, she's serving food. No, you're sick. You shouldn't do that. No, that the illness was gone. The cross takes it all on and makes us righteous. How cool is that? How amazing grace is that? You know, this is alone the place at the cross where this can take place. As Paul has stated in Colossians 2.14, canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. And he set it aside, nailing it to the cross. You know, for our sake, Jesus came to become sin, to take our place so he could cancel the record of debt. You know, I, I think of it like a, a filing cabinet, right? You know, and it's got all of our good deeds, all of our bad deeds, all of our ugly deeds stored in it. It's kind of like the rock in Pilgrim's Progress where maybe, maybe we're carrying it. Uh, there's only one person that can deal with this and everyone's trying to stop him, right? You ever read that book? The movie's good too, so yeah. And then, then it, the fun thing that I never knew about is his wife goes on the journey afterwards in book two. I never, I never knew about that, but that's a good one. No, he cancels the record of debt. You know, that filing cabinet is full of a lot of things, full of the things we shouldn't have done, full of the things we should have done. It is our record of debt. It's showing us you know, by the law of Moses, by the law of God written on our hearts that we do not measure up. But Jesus came for the mission of the cross with the intent of nailing the record of debt to the cross. And that's why Jesus cries, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me from the cross? Because at the cross, Jesus is cursed for us. Isaiah says it like this, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring he shall prolong his days the will of the lord shall prosper in his hand god sent forth his son so he would be crushed and killed so humanity could repent and believe upon the son and have their sins blotted out paul told the Colossians back in chapter 1, he said it like this, for he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. By the blood of his cross, Jesus brought redemption forward. And in it, God delivers us from the domain of darkness because the cross does this as well. And this, was, this is a, a fun one. Verse 15 in chapter 2 of Colossians says this. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And that's kind of a, well, you're... You know, if you don't know anything, you might be like, what is that talking about, right? The Romans are the ones that crucified him. Did he triumph and have victory over them? No, this is talking about the domain of darkness. What did the cross prove to Satan? Well, I'm not in control, right? <laughs> you know, at the cross, the wrath of God is satisfied and the sinner who trusts in Christ can be made alive. And then this happened as well. The domain of darkness was disarmed. They were made defenseless. Their teeth were taken away and shamed. They were utterly humiliated. For at the cross, triumph, at God triumphs over all of these rulers and authority. Now, Satan throughout the Bible is the adversary. He is the one that brings the question 
to Eve, did God really say? And he is the dragon in Revelation. Uh, go ahead and please turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 12. In verses uh, 7 through 11, John writes this. Now war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ, of his Christ, has come, have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives, even unto death. And we know the end of the story, right? God wins. Yet Satan is, is there. He's standing against God, deceiving the whole world, but he is not a God. No, he's actually a fallen angel, though he would actually state that he was trying to make himself like the Most High, but he is a created being, not on par with God. And even the passage in Revelation that we just read states that Michael and his angels were fighting the dragon and his angels, right? There is no dualism in Christianity. There's no yin or yang or, or everlasting battle between good and evil. Because Satan and his forces were totally and utterly disarmed and shamed at the cross. So we know that God, a good and holy and righteous and just God, will overcome all things. Because Christ overcame sin and death and the domain of darkness at the cross. Now the victory is won. And the domain of darkness has, has been disarmed, it has been shamed, but it has not yet been dismantled and judged. And there's actually a lot of the demons that Jesus meets in the gospel are like, oh, is, is, is now the time? Right? They knew they knew judgment was coming, but they didn't know about the cross. That's why they're utterly shamed, right? Because who put the idea in Judas's head? Satan did. Well, let's let's kill it. It's it's got you know. It's let's kill him. Satan didn't know what was going to happen at the cross. You know, the judgment is coming. So as we walk with the Lord in the here and now and await our end, our death, or the rapture of the saints, we need to be aware of falsehoods. We need discernment, so we need to submit to God. James tells us so. He says this, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, that's what we even talked about in Sunday school, is, is you know, we need to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Jesus daily. You know, as, as believers, because we have a relationship that readies us, for attack. In the Lord, we can resist those things. We can be knowledgeable of, of Satan and his devices, right? As Paul talks about in his letters. Paul states this in Ephesians. Uh, go ahead and turn in your Bibles with me once more uh, to Ephesians chapter 6. This will be a fun chapter to preach on one day. Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verses 10 through 12. <clears throat> Paul states this, finally. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the ruler's against the authorities, 
against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And in Christ we have received redemption as we have received the Lord and are hidden in him and made alive. And then we have this. We have the armor of God. And only by the Lord's strength, I like how, how Paul talks about that, the Lord's strength and the Lord's might, we can stand against the schemes coming our way. As we daily walk with the Lord. Because in that, right, in that, in our personal lives and then in coming together and, and being encouraged together, we are rooted and grounded. In our faith, we gain discernment, right? Iron sharpens iron, right? <clears throat> and then we understand this which this is hard sometimes. We understand that our warfare is not against people, but against the present darkness. And I was talking with one friend in ministry. It's like so, sometimes people know, right? They know they're rebellious sinners and they're going to lob the grenade at you anyways. And other times it's sins of omission. They might not know that they are lobbing an active grenade in. But we're called to do what? Crossroads kids? Anybody? You know, spread, yeah, but well, we forgive those who hate us and we do good to them, right? We pray for those, that, I can't remember the verse right now. See, uh, that's why I just read them. <laughs> no. no, we forgive our enemies. We pray for those that persecute us. We do good to those that hate us, right? No. So we need to walk with our Lord in that, right? And having Jesus alone and, and having our Bible and having our church and walking together, we are nourished and natured by the Good Shepherd. By being in His world, word and will, by feasting where Christ is and not seeking to eat from the trash cans of the world, of the flesh and the devil, we walk worthy of our Savior, right? We seek to do that. Paul states it like this in Romans, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we are living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in a new way of the spirit, not in the old way of the written code. And that's, that's Romans uh, 7, 4 through 6, because that's a good passage. So write that one down. I'll read it tonight, too. The law only shows us one thing, right? Well, it shows us two things. It shows us Jesus is coming. It points to the life made manifest that he is coming, someone is coming. And then it shows us this, that we need Christ. And Christ alone fulfilled that need. And if we belong to him, we are raised up. You know, in the flesh, we lived out our passions. And the record of debt stood against us. But now in Christ, the record of debt has been paid in full because it was nailed to the tree. And therefore, we who are in Christ can serve in a new way, not, not held by the law or by legalistic traditions, not, not swayed by gurus or new age spirituality, but by the Holy Spirit, that we would live for God and serve him in the here and now. For the victory alone is in Jesus. And in Christ, we are made alive, not for our own means, right? That's even as we talked about, you know, abstaining from caffeine, which I, I've never really met anyone that, but like from alcohol, abstaining from, you know, going to the movies or abstaining from meat, from the idols. The question is always, well, what of my brother, right? We're not, we're not just living for ourselves, but we're living 
as a workmanship to the Lord that we would walk to aim to please him. Now let's uh, close in a word of prayer. Father God, we, we thank you for today. We thank you so much for the amazing grace found in Christ alone. And that as we rest upon the finished work, we can know that our record of debt has been nailed to the tree. That forgiveness for our trespasses is here in the victory found in the cross. That Jesus came to be the ransom. And Lord, thank you that, that we not only just got to celebrate Easter, but we got to look and see what it did. And that the line in the sand is, is Jesus and, and, and what we do about Jesus. And help us, Lord, to, to not stop talking about Jesus. Yes, we can you know, talk all the day about the weather and our hobbies and, and, and whatnot, but that we would talk about Jesus. Lord, be with us in this, uh, just as we go, uh, strengthen us, encourage us, ready us for our week, that as we, as we walk and go out and have meetings and, and work, that, that we would just point and proclaim, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That we would go as the disciples go in the, in the Gospels, we have found him, the Messiah. Some people might not know what we're talking about, but that we would explain it to them. Help us build bridges out to our community and just love on people and call sinners in need to the Christ who has given us everything. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.